listening to 90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, episode 180. Today, mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with American Ninja Warrior, author and international speaker, Alex Weber, to talk about mindset, his American Ninja Warrior experience, and his book, Fail Proof, Become the Unstoppable You. Alex shares his experience on how he became mentally tough, his journey to becoming an international speaker as well as an elite competitor, and how he embraces the process in his journey to get where he is today. If you want to know how to become unstoppable and impact people in a positive manner, then this is a must-listen episode. Are you ready to raise your game? 2021 is the year to increase your performance on and off the field. The Athlete's Edge Journal was designed to cultivate self-confidence and mental resilience through the power of sports psychology. Whether you are a professional athlete, a former college athlete, or have aspirations of greatness in the future, this journal is for you. Visit winthementalgame.com and use the promo code GRANTPAR20 to receive a 20% discount at checkout. Act now to take your mental game to the next level. What if you could rapidly accelerate your team's performance and skill acquisition just minutes before practice or game? NeuroTrainer triggers high-performance states with virtual reality brain training that can be deployed in the gym or at home. In just eight minutes, your team will be more focused and ready for whatever you or the game throws at them. Visit NeuroTrainer.com to schedule your demo and get your team locked in. Hey, Alex, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Well, man, I'm, I'm super pumped for this interview. Um, I just love, uh, love your energy. I know talking before we got on the, on the show today, uh, there's a lot that we're going to be talking about and we're going to talk about your mindset and mental performance and sports psychology topics. But the main thing, the reason why I want to have you on the show is to talk about your book, um, your awesome book called fail proof become the unstoppable you. So I can't wait to dig into that and dig into your mind. Awesome. I appreciate it, man. And likewise, I love your energy. And uh, yeah, I feel like we could have, you know, chopped it up for, for a good hour before even the, the podcast. So it's right. awesome. Awesome, man. Well, let's, let's start it off. Um, I always love talking about mental toughness. It's what I do. It's what I love talking about. So when you think about the word or words, mental toughness, what does that mean to you? It's such a good question. I think it is the ability to execute in the moment, regardless of anything else, regardless of what's going on, regardless of how you feel. And what I have found is that if you break that word down, some of the toughest physically people that I've met in my history have almost ignored the mental component. Right. And in order to truly be tough, not only physically, you need to check in with your mind and emotions because I'm just blown away at, it is such a variable. It's such a variable to performance. And so many people either overlook it, ignore it, or dismiss it as this frilly afterthought. Right. And it's, you know, I, I, I I'll give a slightly rambling answer to your question, but you know, I always think if we were robots, we would do the exact same job every single time, but we're not robots. So we have this amazing variable that will either 
add to our performance and we'll do better than if we're robots, or if we don't know how to handle it, we will do worse. So not understanding this variable is, is reckless. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, it's so funny that I've done this show. There's, you know, everybody answers that question a little bit differently. We all know what mental toughness is. It means something different. And as I've done this show for the last six years and, and all the, the clients that I work with and just do my own personal work, I've realized like when mental toughness to me, well, I think when we talk about the mental game, it's about training for the moment again, cause you can be the most physical dude or dudette. You can be the, the best person in the whole league, but how good are you in the moment, the moment yeah. where the team needs you, where you need your yourself the most. Yeah. So it's about training for that moment. And I think if you're going to train for that moment, then you've got to put so much, you got to put the same amount of training uh, into your mind as you do on the physical side of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So when you think about, cause I, I know there's tons of things that's happened to you in your career. What's that one monumental moment like where you had to be mentally tough? Gosh, uh, I mean, there's a few. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll share. I'll share two, maybe three here. But, uh, you know, one, I would say really mentally tough moment was there's just been so many and there's been right. so many. And I guess how I describe them is when you get knocked on your ass and and not in a like, okay, great. Let's get back at it. But like, when you really get that blow where you're like, dang, like I am, I'm right. I don't know about this right now. It's those moments where you don't really have the encouragement of other people where even your own brain is like, yeah, I don't know about this anymore. Like right. maybe it's saying a lot worse, more mean things. Most likely it is. So for me, I mean, one that will always stick with me, you know, my dream was to play college across. I was obsessed, uh, obsessed um, from pretty much eighth grade until 12th grade. It was it. It was it. It was my identity. It was like live, breathe, do it. Uh, I was an all American went off, played D one for UPenn. I came in and I was like, let's go. And I started every single game, but I really did not perform to my potential because I was just, I didn't know how to work my mind. And so I was just mm. so intense. And so if I would in high school, I got dismissed as like a head case by some coaches so freshman year, I came in, I beat out the seniors. I started every single game, but I never really played to my potential. And then my sophomore year, I, I would basically like either do phenomenally or I would just get so caught up. I'd miss the first shot and I would just kind of just get so intense. And so that ended up getting benched every single game my sophomore year. And I'll never forget that because that just wrecked me. I mean, I was, mm. I was like 19 years old. It's your dream. You had I had the dream. I had right. my teammates, my friends, I live with them as my identity. And, and it was just like, I just remember, you know, now I didn't have, I wasn't starting, I wasn't playing. So I wasn't confident. It, it affected my friendships. It affected my relationship. It affected my schoolwork. It affected everything. And I came back and I led the team in goals my junior year. So that was one mentally tough moment. If I remember that summer after sophomore year of getting benched every game, and it was one of those, who do you want to be moments? And, you know, so I came back and had a strong junior year and senior year was fine. But why I say it like that is I never really understood the mind still. Mm. I was just like, let me outwork it. Uh, right. I'll just, you know, I'll just go and do a thousand shots. I'll just run harder. I'll just do, you know, bigger bench presses. Um, and just to kind of sum up this loop, what ended up really being what made me understand the mental and emotional game was 
I moved out to Los Angeles. I was supposed to go into finance, another mentally tough moment, but I knew in my heart, I wanted to do something in entertainment. So even though all my friends, all the alumni and my family community was going into finance, I was like, I got to do this. So I went out to LA. I don't know if that's a cliche, but I started doing, uh, you know, entertainment and my side job was to coach high school lacrosse. And I fell in love with it. And when I was 25 years old, I got named the head coach right before the season of Harvard Westlake, which is one of the most intense, prestigious schools in the country. Wow. And, you know, interim head coach means you coach for this season and then we'll find someone better. Uh, But long story short, I, I really just felt such a connection to the athletes because I could see when they missed a shot, I could see the 19 year old me in them. And I was like, no, no, no. And I was like, so I was just so fired up to work with them on their issues. And that year, uh, what before I took over, the team had never won a playoff game in that first year. We won the Los Angeles championship. Uh, I got U.S. Lacrosse Coach of the Year. The kids won awards. And so that that was the most transformative experience of my life. Wow. You know, I've done a lot of coaching, you know, not only mental performance coaching, but coaching football. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to get too deep on it, but especially when you have the year that that you had. Um, I've had years where we went to the state championship, um, you know, lost and also went, you know, the following year and won. So, yeah. I've, you know, I've, I've tasted that as a coach and it's those years, I said any year, but those years where it's like really like monumental and remarkable, how do you let it go? Like Ooh. that's cause you know, you invested, like you said, like, you know, what it's like to be 19 and, and to put your heart out, you know, on the field and then, but as a coach, you're investing more than that. You're invest- there's so much energy and then it goes away. Yeah. It's funny. You said, let it go. And my mind almost just said, uh, no, I don't. <laughs> uh, why I say that is man, I'm driving the other day. This is just, whatever. it's funny. I was driving the other day and I thought back to when I was a senior on the hockey team. I loved hockey. I played since my, you know, and I wasn't going to go off to college. So high school was it. We were in the championship. It was triple overtime. And wow. the coach, uh, the coach, I was like, I'm not getting off the ice. And he was like, no, you need to take a break. And I was like, I'm not getting off the ice. And he's like, I'm the coach. Come take a break. I was like, right. And so I did. And that next face off, they scored end of career, end of the game, end of the championship, end of the career. And uh, the lesson from that was be on the ice. If it's going to affect your life, be on the ice. Doesn't matter what anyone says. Um, but I say that because that was a lot of years ago. Right. That was a lot of years ago. I'm just trying to have a Tuesday <laughs> here driving my car. And I'm like, why did he make me sub? You know, so. <laughs> the art of letting go, right? <laughs> yeah. I uh, I don't know if I've mastered that one. Um, yeah, we're a work in progress. Trust yeah, me. It's, uh, yeah. There's, I've done a lot of work on letting go some, some things, but there's, there's some things that are still around, you know? They are. They are. You know, I I think I'm joking about it, but to answer your question, you know, it's what do we keep with us? If it's like nagging us and and it's impacting how we are behaving in the current moment, then we got to deal with that. We got to let it go. But if it's just like an emotional tie that sticks with us and pops in our head and, you know, American Ninja Warriors like that, it's so intense. You only get to compete once a year. So however it goes, I mean, I'll replay it countless times, but I'm not tormenting myself. I I understand what I could have done better. I understand what I did great and I'm moving forward. But the emotional part of me, of course, will relive it, but it's not negatively impacting who I am, what I'm doing, how I'm going after my goals right now. Well, and when you, th- you know, you brought up American Ninja Warrior, um, when you think about 
all the things that you've done. You know, you've you've been on that show, right? You've been on American Ninja Warrior, named look U.S. Lacrosse Coach of the Year. Um, you're in the ranks of top scorer in lacrosse. Where does this competitive mindset come from? Like, where did it start? I mean, Dr. Gwynn, the therapist would definitely say my dad, and she's not wrong. <laughs> right? Uh, listen, I, my dad, I love him pieces, and he knows this. We've talked about it. He's very intense. And it was, there was no, there was no, well, you tried your, you know, there, it was just, you succeed or you don't. And I will say that that's not the healthiest outlook, but I'll also say that it gives you a lot of drive. And I'm just going to, you know, not every top athlete. There's a lot of athletes who come from like very, you know, heartwarming, pat on the back. But you look at a lot of athletes. If you have that drive, there's something you're chasing or there's something that has fired you up that you need to prove. Because it's really tough to nail goals. It's really damn tough, especially at elite levels. And so. You know, I, I think the way to do it, though, is at some point we need to marry, okay, how do I keep that, that like, I need this to happen mm. with this balance of also, I'm enough if it doesn't. Right. That is freaking a tricky tightrope to walk. You know, it, it, it is, and, it's, and I'm glad you brought it up. My dad was a blend of uh, touchy-feely, always, you know, hugging his hands around my neck when he, you know, when he really wanted to make like a point, but it was in a loving way. Um, my dad was, my dad coached all my baseball teams and was involved in, you know, being a president of the league or something like he's always involved, but there was times where he knew where to take the pedal off. Like he knew or take his foot off the pedal. Um, but for some reason with football, which he never played, it was the night before. It was the night before my games where that intensity would come out. Like my dad was really big on, he was really big on self-talk, but he was like, he would want me to say to him before every game the night before that I'm number one, not like I'm number one, like I'm the best quarterback in the league. It's just being your best, like being your number one. And so there'd be times where he's like, I want you to say it. I'm like, man, dad, come on. Like, I've been saying this to you for years. You want me to say it again, you know, but that was just like, that was his intensity about it. But there is now that I've been into this, you know, this profession as a mental performance coach, there is so much power of when you say something out loud, yeah. what it does to your senses engages all your senses. So my dad was onto something. I don't think he knew it, but he was. Yeah, you're right. And it's, it's something where like, you know, I've, I've in my life done it and other times not, but you know, you can call them positive affirmations. Again, I'm not a big label person because I think when we put a label on it, we all have our own connotations and, yeah, how, you know, for sure. what we're saying to ourselves in the times when I've done it. And I, I want to say I'm a little micro note on it too. Uh, but what we're saying to ourselves is I think in this world that's so hectic and busy and all this crap going on, we're just telling this operating system of human being, yo, this is what we're focused on. So you're saying I'm number one, no matter what else is going on in the world, blah, 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 I'm number one. And like, it's yeah. a great, it's a GPS, right? Right. Um, exactly. You know, the micro nuance to that though, is that we have to believe it or else it's just a sound. So exactly. that's where I think it goes from like, ethereal to real world is we got to like really believe it. Exactly. And that's a great point because the belief to me comes into the process. Like when you really 
have embraced your process and your journey. Like even know all the reps you put in all the mental reps you put in all the extra stuff you've done outside of practice before practice. So when you say that you are number one, you can connect the feeling because that you've had a journey and you've had, you've had the process to, to show for it. Yeah. But if you haven't worked your ass off, you haven't done the extra reps, then it just becomes another sound. So true. That's so true. Uh, and that's like, uh, you know, it, 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 I love what you said there. It kind of works hand in hand, though, because it's like, um, you know, we're going to say that to ourselves and then we're going to put like, you know, we're going to put our hands in the dirt and we're going to start doing it. And they will help each other because now when we go back at night or in the morning and we say it, we're like, well, you know what? That feels true. because I just busted my ass. And right. then we're going to be a little more fired up the next day to go ahead and put in the work. So like you're saying, it's uh, it does push each other up. For sure. For sure. You know, and. And I know we're going to get into when you talk about like pushing yourself and being successful, you know, you have to fail. So we're going to talk about yeah. <laughs> that whole relationship of failure and why you wrote your book. Yeah. But before we get into that, um, th maybe this is just a, a selfish, guilty pleasure, because I can only imagine what it's like to be on that show on American Ninja Warrior. And I know I couldn't do it, even though I played years and years of sports. I just I just you know, again, negative self-talk happening right there, totally, but, totally. but like that is not easy to do that, especially, you know, in front of people and millions of people, how did you mentally prepare for that? Or did you? Yeah. And I want to circle back to what you said, cause I, I know you're just being kind of like casual conversation, you know what I mean? Right. I, I could never do that, but I, I, uh, I want to circle back to that. Uh, but I started as a host, not a competitor. So I first started as a TV host. I hosted this digital series for NBC. And I was basically like, hey, I'm Alex. I'm here. And they wanted a fun, goofy guy with an athletic background. So I was like, let's do this. And then they thought it'd be, <laughs> they thought it. it'd be fun if I would be you know, so like, hey, we're here in Oklahoma City. Check out these new obstacles. They're crazy. And then they thought it'd be fun if I went up and tried it. What was so amazing, though, was the first year my job was to fail. And I failed my face off. What was really pivotal was the second season, the producers, you know, it's a creative field. They were like, what if you started to get good at this? I was like, what? Like, this yeah. sport, Olympic gymnasts are failing on this. You want me to just get good at this? But here's why it was such a gift. And, and so many of, of your listeners will, I, I think, resonate with this. After D1 lacrosse, I, was, I mean, I was running a million miles an hour at D1 with my identity, lacrosse, everything. And then hard stop, yeah. hard stop. The pro league, when I graduated, had downsized. So there was no, there was no spots. It was, there was no opportunity to try out. And it was just hard stop. And I rationalized it away. I was like, oh, that's okay. Like, it's time for me to be a professional and go into business and how so many people of us uh, do. But there was about four years where I was called a former athlete, right? That's what we call former athlete. And my heart would break. But I would just, no, no, of course, I'm a former athlete. I'm a business person now and I'm an adult and that's, that's fine. Wow. My heart would break. But what's really important is my identity was a former athlete. So I'd eat a little worse. I drank a little worse. I stopped working out as much. And I remember seeing a photo of myself and being like, that's me. Like I was, I was hefty. Wow. And uh, it, it just, so when American Ninja Warrior came in my life and they challenged me to be an athlete again, what was such a gift was. And that's something that I keep very close to my heart. Now I went to training last night and ripped up my hands and I'll, I'll talk about that as well, but it pushes me to be more athletic now than I was as a 21 D one athlete. Mm. And that is like, 
I'm, I'm staying close to that for I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know, I, not to cut you off, but it's no, not at all. It's super cool you brought that up, and I know that my listeners are like, dude, like Grant has said this about my my own story so many times on my show, but I'm gonna bring it up again. Yeah. That because of the stuff that I had to deal with my hip, I spent almost two decades like disconnecting that I was an athlete and yeah, I, I was getting bigger and I, you know, I wasn't training, but people wanted to talk about the time where I threw the touchdown and the game winning touchdown, the records and all that stuff. Right. And I was like, uh, uh-uh. like, no, like I'm no longer the quarterback. I'm no longer an athlete until I got my body back after my second uh, hip replacement. That's when I was like, right, right before I was 40, I was like, I'm an athlete. Like, and then like, I'm realizing to this day, like I'm going to be 48 in a month. I'm still an athlete. Hell and yeah. I just say that for people out there that have lost that net. Cause you know, there is an identity that you, that you yes. lean into when you're playing sports and we got to learn how to transition out of it. But that doesn't mean that you let go of the athlete inside you. Yes. You know, hundred percent and a hundred percent. And this is where, and I think this is what bridges the gap and when we can deep dive on failing, but so the book came because as I was a host, this was my dream job. And I needed to become good at these impossible obstacles where all I had done was fail on them. So I was like, all right, how do I get good at this sport? And I was like, damn it. Because I knew the answer, but I was like, that is going to be so intense. I was like, I got to start training with the best American Ninja Warriors. So I just called them up and I said, Hey, can I come train with you? And they're like, yeah, all right. Be here this night. And like, you know, my fearful brain was like, oh, but that's Tuesday night. It's 9 p.m. and it's an hour away. No, 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 no. We, we were busy. Right. And I was like, no, <laughs> you, you need to get good at this. Right. So I showed up and I, I think back to those first times going to the ninja gyms, which are just like so surreal. Like they're just chains and ropes and huge bars hanging everywhere. And I didn't even know what I was doing. Like I was, I had to look at people to be like, how do you even begin to train? What do you grab? What do you like? What do you do? And it was so humbling and yes, embarrassing and yes, frustrating. And yes, I would judge myself. And yes, I would get like, oh my gosh, what are they thinking about me? But it's like, if we just understand that that is a constant and we're like, you know what? Cool. This is going to be rough for the first times. It gets less and less and less and less and less. And I just say that because now five years later, so that journey, uh, I basically had to systemize how you fail because I was failing 30 times an hour. I was like, I got to figure out a system to this because I can't keep getting worked up after every fail. The gym's going to close. I'm still going to be freaking out. Uh, So I developed a system and that's what the book is. And that system led me to actually complete obstacles as a host that season. We won an award, best series, the one I hosted for NBC. Mm-hmm. And then that led me to come back and compete on American Ninja Warrior, actually succeeding on the course, which was wow. such a bonkers, impossible. I could never touch this goal when I started. And that's what I say unlocked this. You can do anything, not in this like Oh, you can do anything generic Hallmark way. Right. But like if you decide in your soul and your heart that you want to do this and you are willing to commit through a process of failing, you will do it. A hundred percent. And you know, it's um, we're going to talk about this in a second. I do want to like get more into the motivation of writing this book. Cause I know what it's yeah. like to write a book and it's, <laughs> It's a daunting task, it's you know? a lot, yeah. but when you're done, it's, it's a great feeling. Just like, you know, finishing the season and it's just, mm-hmm. it, you know, completion, right. It feels good. But my, I remember, I don't know, this was years ago, but my mentor, 
we were talking about being a mental performance coach and, but then he was translating this, this message into sports and in life. Mm. But he says, the reason why he gets, the reason why I'm so good at what I do is because I fail better than you. I fail better than other people. Uh-huh. And more often than not, because I've learned how to fail, I fail fast and I move on. And then I have a different relationship of failing up, not failing down. So like, that's just how I, I operate in this world. And that's what I teach athletes. I'm all, if you want to be elite, you want to be good, learn how to fail better than the, than the person yeah. next to you or learn how to yeah. fail better than your opponent. So getting into failure, I can't wait to talk about that because I, yeah, I want to learn more about your process. But like, what what motivated you to write this book? I mean, was it just on the American Ninja Show or? Well, what's funny is in high school, I, I loved like I would just, I was a geek with stand up comedy. I would come home from school before going to tennis practice and then hockey practice. I would watch uh, two stand up specials on Comedy Central. I just I loved like people communicating. I just always loved that. And then in high school, I was doing creative writing classes. So I'd literally go play hockey, go to the games, be that guy. And then the next day I'd go to these like creative writing workshops and all that. So I I felt like I always had these two sides college. It was D one lacrosse and then theater. Uh, Even, you know, then I was doing stand up comedy and entertainment. I was also coaching lacrosse. I played in the world championships of lacrosse. So I just always felt like I had these two, like, kind of like, I guess you'd call it artsy creative and then also like athletic go get it. Awesome. Um, and when I was coaching high school lacrosse after every game, when I took over the program, there just wasn't really a sense of like us, you know, you can call yeah. it community, you can call it family, but it was just like, there wasn't we. that. So after every game, I would write the, the community an email and they were very much life about life and who we are and who we want to be and lessons that I've learned and lessons that I'm learning from the players. And, and some of the parents who were very accomplished people in Los Angeles were very encouraging of like, you should write a book. And I think back to that time of why I didn't be like, cool, let's do it. I don't know why I didn't. I think I was just like someday. And that chapter of coaching ended. And then I got into TV hosting and I was like, well, this is pretty cool. This this should be in the book. And then I set a world record and I played in the world championships. And I'm like, I feel like this should be in there. And then I hosted with American Ninja Warrior and competed with American Ninja Warriors. I feel like this should be in there. And then it was um, 2020. When 2020 happened, I was pretty ready to write it before all the 2020-ness. But 2020 knocked me on my ass because the person that I had built on March 12th, 2020 was... I had just spoken internationally to the young government of Mexico. I was about to go to four other organizations that week. I came back to the States just to compete on American Ninja Warrior with my mom, who has cancer, being my guest of honor. I was like, uh, the creation of Alex that I had built, I was like, I like this guy. Like, this is the version I want to be. It was very like type A cranking. Love it. March 13th, Ninja Warrior got postponed. All speaking engagements got punted or deleted. I was like, I got to keep training. I broke my hand and that I let the wheels off the bus. I was just like, you know what? Three days ago, I was this version of myself. Now I got no work. I, 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 American Ninja Warriors and having, I got a broken hand and I'm, and I'm just like, you know what? I haven't, I've been so go nail goals for what? 20 years. I'm letting the wheels off the bus. And it was an active decision of I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. So I did that. And then after about six weeks, the real me surfaced and was like, okay, we've done this now. We've had the wheels off the bus. 
and and this is not who you want to be. So in that next year, that is where I wrote the book because I was like, you know what? This was the humble pie. This was the knock on my ass that if I'm going to be talking about fails and bouncing back from, this was the one that I needed to really be genuine about this. Well, and I always say this about our past. Our past doesn't define us. It designs us. Right. So when you, when you had to go through, you let go of the, the wheels and, you yeah. know, you started being a different person, then you had to kind of reignite and redesign yourself again. So by writing this book, by going in your past experiences, even though that you're going to be a different person, did it help with that process by writing the book? Oh yeah. I mean, and writing it was, uh, you know, it was kind of, uh, here's a funny little thing. Uh, and it was also one where it came together in such a beautiful way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you'll love this. Uh, you'll, you'll connect with this. One of the families that I got really close with a lot of the families through coaching and, and one of the dads, Bob Levitt was just such an amazing guy. I had a really special relationship with his son, Oliver. And, uh, he always was just such a cool guy of like supporting me on my journey after coaching yeah. fast forward. Uh, he introduced me to this guy, Dr. Henry cloud. We had a breakfast. Dr. Henry Cloud is a top New York Times bestselling author, relationship expert, uh, psychologist, amazing guy. And we just like, he, I was going through a breakup at the time. And so we kind of like, he just, we just became close friends. He invited me to his family. It was amazing. And he really gave me the pat on the, you know, the pat of like, you should do this. Like you should write the book. You should do this. And he wrote the forward to the book. Uh, but a little funny piece of it. And this is just, I'm human, right? I make mental mistakes. I knew that writing the book was going to be such a big thing to chop off, right? Like, great. I got to go write 250 pages. So I wasn't in a, in a big hurry to talk to the publisher and like get cracking. And I was like, they'll let me know when it's time and then I'll meet the challenge. And I got an email from them that goes, Hey, Alex, we're just checking on your, the delivery of your first draft. As you know, you have three weeks to, you have three weeks left. And I was like, What's this now? <laughs> so the real truth is because I had fear around writing it, I was not active in understanding the timeline. That's the Got important it. takeaway. Got it. But as a result, I had three weeks to write the first draft and it was just like, all right, let's everything else is out and let's just clock in. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because I know there's so much in your book and, and you, you just talked about that you created your own process to deal with failure. Yeah. Um, and so I want to save, you know, a lot for people to, to, I don't want you to tell everything about your book, but you know, when you think about failure, because failure is part of being great. Like if, and if you choose to get lessons from failure, that that's how you make good with failure. And there's so many other ways of, of talking about failure, but how do you, how do you teach people to to have a relationship with failure. Oh, that's a great way to put it. Relationship with failure. I think one is to just have a little bit more of understanding of what it is and to understand that fear of failure is different than failing. They're right. very different. Fear of failing right. is what keeps many, 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 many people away from even doing things. The next thing that keeps a lot of people away from it is that they try to do something their first time. And it was brutal. And so they go, that was brutal. I guess I'm not musical. I guess I'm not funny. I guess I'm not charming, right. creative, a leader, whatever. I'm not right. a Right. When the truth is simply, here's the thing of, of robotics, right? If we just 
new lab, if we were just robots, we would just show up, 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 get better, get better, get better, get better, get there. But we're not, we have emotions. And so relationship is a beautiful word. And, you know, I'll, I'll give it, there's three quick hitters and I, I obviously go more into it in the book, but anytime we fail, the first quick hit is that you have an emotional reaction. This is what dismisses 90% of people because yep. it's just too much to bear or they don't want to get back at it or they get back at it, but they don't do the second quick hit, which is to learn why did it not go great? Why did it not go great? Were you not breathing? Did you not commit? Did you not prepare? Did you, prepare? Did you not communicate? Mm. Why did it not go great? Just learn right. one of them. And then step three, which is uh, easier said than done, is now you got to fully commit again with full belief and full effort, which is very difficult because if we just got knocked on our ass, why would we believe and why would we want to commit to doing it again and think it's going to be better? It's very right. difficult. Yeah. And so that piece, which I, I agree with you, yeah, vulnerability. And yeah. so when we think about, you know, now... Now in, in this day of age, we, we vulnerability, it's like, we all know that if you really want to show up in the moment, you've got to embrace um, vulnerability. You've got to be brave and courageous. But because when, when I played sports, that word was weak. And you, huh, don't be yeah, vulnerable. Yeah, you don't want to yeah. share, you know, you don't want to share your heart. You don't want to share how you're feeling, like, you know, rub some dirt on it and get, you know, yeah. and get after it. <laughs> so, but I get, but that's the, that's, I think the key is going through your process, but it's that the hardest part is, are you willing to show up in the moment again? Um, case in point, great story. Uh, there's a kid that that actually, um, there was a basketball player that missed, I don't know, it was like 18 shots in a game. And the, and the wow. and, yeah, and the ball was in his hands for the game-winning shot and missed it. And so asking him, I'm like, what made you, and your shot was off, but what made you shoot that last shot even though when your shot's off like and he goes well i felt like like i was kind of i was feeling like i was you know full of doubt but i i was trained for that i was trained to like trust myself and yeah i missed it but if i didn't take that i would have woken up the next morning really pissed off on myself Love and, he, and then the next game i think he shoots like 24 points yeah so it's, it's in wow. the moment of showing up even when your shot's off man because eventually that shot's going to get in you just got to keep on showing up. It's it's so interesting. You know, I go back to this like robotic and human because I think it's important. Like there is a chance on that 19th shot. And of course, like the romantic in me wanted me to wanted you wanted me to hear you say like he crushed it. Right, uh, right. But that's not always life. Like, you, you know, like you're saying. But this is where what we have talked about, where you do need some rub the dirt on it because his trust in himself was, you know what? He probably drilled that play. I'm sure it was a play that the coach drew up. They did it a hundred times. And so right. I'm sure he felt like, even though I'm having an off day, maybe my robot knows enough of this that it'll just come through in this moment, you know? Right. Um, yeah. It's uh, I mean, that balance is, uh, is interesting, but I, but I think what you said is so important of, you know, I think it's a quote from a movie. I'd rather regret something I did than something I was too scared to do. And it's just, it's so true. Regret. I don't wish that on anybody. No, no. And it's, uh, there's, there is an art of, of falling down and getting back up. Um, and that's, you know, when you look at sports like skateboarding, you have to, for you, I mean, I think it took uh, Tony Hawk, what, 15 years to do whatever that 980 or whatever it was. 
you know how many times he had to fall down like big in the air spinning like two or three times and then falling down and falling before he perfected it. Um, And same thing with a lot of like even lacrosse and football, like you get hit, you fall down. Sometimes you get hit real hard. How do you get back up and do it all over again? You got to want it, (laughs) right? You really do. You really do. Because I'm just the biggest believer of, you know, and I like to use this, uh, there's a, uh, a trainer, Frankie Roach. He was Oscar De La Hoya's trainer. He was on that show, Hard Knocks, when he was getting ready to fight Floyd Mayweather. And, yeah. and he said, and it's such a beautiful quote, he goes, at the end of the day, I'm just a trainer. If it's not in the fighter, it doesn't matter. And it's just, it's so true. And I think back, here's like a concrete example I like to think of. I've been a coach. I've been coached. If a coach is yelling for someone to run hard in sprints, they'll probably run really hard and they'll probably give 85 or 90%. But like, how high hard is it to look tired? Like wheeze. And if you want to get like that hundred percent, it's got to be in the person that they want to run their damn ass off. So, you know, I think that then begs the question of like, how do you want something or why do you want something? And, you know, that, that takes what I call in the book, brave honesty of just like looking at who you are and why do you want this? Yeah. Well, when you think about, what you want from the reader, like what, what do you want them to take away? And, and I know the obvious is for them to become unstoppable, right. And under, and have a better relationship with failure and have a process uh, to deal with failure, but to go deeper, what, what do you want the reader to, to take away from your book? I love that. That's such a great question to question things, to question things and to question who you are, this identity of you that you are, could there maybe be other sides of you that are there that to date have maybe not been validated or suppressed or you haven't leaned into, but is there more of you? And two, could you do things that you didn't think you could do? So things that we've just chalked up as, no, that's not for me, or that's for different types of athletes. That's for people who are good at climbing, or that's for people mm-hmm. who are bigger or taller, or no, 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 that's for people who are just naturally funnier. That person's charming or whatever it might be. You can do things that you didn't think you could do. Right. So what I hope people can take away is, is to question with brave honesty, could there be more for you? That's like me earlier saying that I, I probably couldn't do American Ninja, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I probably can. <laughs> right okay the uh i mean a hundred percent and then the question is is but this is important is do you want to do it right right if you want to do it man i'll get you a gym in uh in la i got a training group out there for you they'll see you tuesday night at 9 p.m but like you gotta want to do it right i'll think about it yeah 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 (laughs) well when you think about i love this question um about reflection, because I think when, when we talk about the word wisdom or being wise, the only way you're going to get wise at anything is if you take some time to reflect, right. And learn what went well, what needs to be addressed, but what were the lessons? So when you think about your whole career, athlete, coach, TV personality, author, everything, what do you think you've learned the most about yourself? That I I'll say a positive and a negative. Uh, I'll, I'll start with the, the tougher one, which is that I have needed to get out of my own way. Mm. I am really a tough critic, which is obviously good in some ways, holding yourself to a high standard, but then there's abuse that I think I wore as a badge of honor. Look how tough I am on myself. 
Yeah. And then I realized like, this isn't actually beneficial to the goal. This is just like kicking the crap out of myself. So I would say that is what I've learned and really have spent a lot of time working on. And then a positive that I've learned about myself is any time in my life where it was, and this is just true, is any time I've actually decided I want to do this, I am all in on this, all of my human capability, it has always ended up being a very successful and meaningful thing. So I, I don't, I, that's why I, I believe commitment is just the biggest, it's the biggest thing in the world. And if we really right. commit to something, you know, I, I, that year, first year of coaching, I fully committed. And like, I know what that feels like to be like, okay, I'm going to, other things are going to have to go by the wayside. Maybe that's friendship for a little while, right. maybe that's romantic. Maybe that's other pursuits in my career because there is 24 hours in the day. There are, and, and something's got to give. You do have an amount of energy and focus and, and grit. So something's got to give. So, but I know that when I've been like, okay, this is the most important thing I'm all in. You know, it did lead to winning U.S. Lacrosse Coach of the Year, one to winning, winning an award for the host of the best series. It, you know, being a top scorer in the World Cup, competing on American Ninja Warrior, doing the book, all that good stuff. So I just say to someone listening, know that you have so much in you, and if you channel all of it towards something, that's freaking powerful. It is. I think it's when you the word commitment is great because when you commit, there's uh, again the word relationship. Yeah. You're, you're, you're actually enhancing and strengthening this relationship that you have intrinsically with yourself. Mm-hmm. And you're also, and there's all these other things that are coming about because you're committing, you're trusting, you're being vulnerable, your work ethic. I mean, there's all these things that these attributes that come out. And I think it's, um, when you think about once you commit and when you're all in also, when you're committing, you're all in and you hit your goals and you see results, man, it's, uh, there's a frequency, man. There's a, like, you want more of it, you know? Yes. That's so true. Someone, oh, <clears throat> I heard this uh, this great quote, quote the other day, uh, success is transferable. And I, I really loved that because it's like that frequency that you're saying. Mm-hmm. And, and I always, I'm always really inspired by people like LL Cool J, Dwayne Johnson, Justin Timberlake. And, and, and like, you know, I know that may sound silly in some way, but like, I really admire people who succeed in an industry and then they're just like okay now this one and they succeed in an industry and they're like okay now this one and i i think that like right. that can be a trap too of like all right let's focus and make sure we're honoring what really matters but i just think that's like awesome you look at like LLCoolJ, okay cool he did football okay then he did music okay now he does acting and i, I just think that's like a very inspiring uh thing and you know man we can talk for hours <clears throat> um but i do want to say this because my wife brought this up. I can't remember what podcast she was listening to, but it's called uh, skill stacking. So mm. it's not about just doing, getting great at one thing. It's about taking all the things that you've done and, and putting them all together. So the fact with, you know, me, you know, playing quarterback and then being in sales for 20 years and, yeah. you know, and coaching, like it's using and being a musician, like taking all those skills and then putting it into your purpose. So yeah. that's, um, that's what I've been focusing on and, and having these projects with my mentor, we're just stacking our skills and putting together and then we're just creating some cool stuff. So it's that's a, it's a cool, it's a cool perspective. That's so awesome. Yeah. It's like the Steve jobs one. Uh, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. And it's like all the pieces that you've done can yeah. come together. Yeah. 
For sure. So how do my listeners <laughs> buy your book, right? Buy lots of them and, <laughs> um, and then connect with you and, you know, learn more about, about your, your background and, and connect with you on social media. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's, uh, yeah, so the book is called Fail Proof. It's on uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And uh, thank you so much. Um, it, it truly is. It's the best of everything I've lived and learned. Um, it's all of me. Um, so I hope it can support you. Um, and I'd say the other way to really, you know, if you want to, to work with me would be, you know, keynote speaking is, is what I love to do as well with organizations. Uh, and then also I run a men's community for high achievers uh, because frankly, a year ago, I just realized I missed a team. I missed having a team. So mm. it's a great group of guys that I put together who uh, they're just your team. They get your back to get to your goals. Um, so awesome. uh, yeah. And I'm Alex Weber, one being Weber. Uh, I'm Alex Weber on all the platforms and uh, yeah, man, Grant, I just appreciate you so much for having me. Yeah, man. This is a, thank you for your energy and you know sharing your story, man. I, I just, uh, man, I really appreciate it. It's an honor to have you. And I just wish you all the hope, man. Um, all the success from your book. I, I know it's going to do great things for people and for yourself. So thanks again, man. Thank you. Brother.